One day, I'll never forget, I was at this party, man. It was right across the street from uh, Michael Jackson's house before he even passed away. It's just one of, one of my homies at this party right across the street. So I walked into this house, and, like, it was nice. girls everywhere. And I went in this bedroom, and it's just, like, it was crazy, man. You know, like, they had a bar inside the closet. You know what I'm saying? Nigga, a bartender inside the closet making, what do you want? What do you want? Making drinks. I'm like, this shit. But as he was making drinks, it was cocaine right there. It was this. It was that. It was pill. Like, it was just so much. It was just, like, a lot going on. And I'm drinking. And I was just like, man, you know what? I'm tired of this shit. I was standing on the balcony, and I was just like, I'm, I'm getting tired of just... I felt like I was wasting my time. Like, I need to get back in the studio. I still love music. I still got the vibes. I said, but first thing I need to do is get the fuck out of L.A. This is Nas. Growing up in Queensbridge, I never imagined the music I heard blasting at the park would change my life and transform the world. But it did. And I've met a lot of people along the way who feel the same. Take this journey with me to explore how we built the culture and continue to carry on tradition. You're now listening to The Bridge, 50 Years of Hip Hop. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hey, this is Minya O, a.k.a. Miss Info. On this episode, we get real with the ever-magnetic Juicy J. He and his group 3-6 Mafia put Memphis on the map for real hip-hop fans as early as 97, with songs like Tear the Club Up and Sippin' on Some Scissor. But then in 2006, they recorded the theme for a movie called Hustle and Flow. And when that song, Hard Out Here for a Pimp, won an Oscar for Best Original Song, everything changed for these Memphis boys. Juicy J got super candid with Nas and I about the gift and the curse of quote-unquote going Hollywood, about all the forces that drove 3-6 Mafia apart, and how Juicy J stays creative and in demand right now. There is probably no other underground success story in hip-hop that is bigger than the 3-6 Mafia saga. Coming straight out of Memphis, few rap groups have ever sounded so raw and sinister. The hypnotizing chants and menacing beats turned clubs into pit fights every time their music came on. 
from them to go from the mud to winning an Oscar is truly something you can only see in the movies. And one thing you gotta admire about Juicy J and the rest of 3-6 Mafia is they never went Hollywood. Juicy J stayed the same, full of personality and one with the people. What is it about your music, both as a solo artist and with 3-6, that has had such a lifetime, like where it just keeps going and going and going? You know, many people are lucky to have a big hit. It comes, it goes. But yours, it's eternal. It just keeps having new lives. It's just timeless music, man, you know. God's gift, man, God's blessing, man. Like, we came from shit, you know what I mean? Some straight mud. And hustling out the back of the trunks with the mixtapes and hoping and wishing for, you know, a great day. And in the midst of all that, watching our back on top of that, you know what I'm saying? Just being mixed up in Memphis. And, uh, man, and now, look, now look, Oscar, the catalog is going crazy. It's like in 2008, in 2008, I feel like that was kind of like one of our lowest moments. But I would say, you know, I was always confident. You know, I always had this feeling like, man, like, Three Six Mafia music, at that time in 2008, it was kind of, I, I, I would say our little wave was kind of fizzling out because they had a different kind of wave coming, like this trap wave, and everything was sounding a little different. Mm. And we used to make our beats dark. So the beats and music would sound a little different, you know, a lot of new and upcoming producers. But I remember, like yesterday, I remember standing, sitting out in, um, in my front yard and just looking at the sun and just like, man, like the music is changing, but I felt like our music was special. I don't know, I felt like it was going to come back some kind of way. Mm. You know, I always had this feeling, you know what I'm saying? And, um, shit, look at it, man. <laughs> Jesus. Well, before we get to, like, what's going on currently, let's, we, we got to go back. Let's start from the top, man. Let's, like, you know, can you paint us a picture of what it was like for 3-6 Mafia when y'all was making underground tapes back in Memphis? Man, it was a, it was a movement. You know what I'm saying? It was a movement. We had a movement. And, uh, I knew it was something special. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, just... Man, we produced every record. We made mixtapes. We rolled together, did dirt together. You know, we was a uh, was a wild pack of niggas, man. You know, a lot of times, especially with art and creativity, it, it happens in a vacuum because there's nothing else there, right? And yeah. so it fills the space. In Memphis at the time, like when you guys were coming up, you're a young teenager. What was out there? What were you guys into? A lot of crazy shit, you know what I'm saying? Just anything, you know, when you are young a young and come from Memphis, Tennessee, you can get into, you know, the streets. Like, Memphis is a, such a gangster town. It's like, they make you gangster. Wherever you grow up, it's just like, everybody in Memphis is it's crazy, man. Like You don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. Like, either you roll with it or get, you get stumped on, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, Memphis, I always considered, I always felt that it was a dark city. That's where our music come from. You can tell in the verses and the, the stuff we talk about, hit a motherfucker, tear the club up, you know? Stuff like that. And um, it's just, it was that kind of environment. Like, you had to fight your way out that motherfucker, man. You know what I'm saying? You had to be ruthless. Even if you didn't want to be ruthless, they made you be ruthless. So, I've been through a lot of situations like that. But on a good note, we all had our different styles. Gangsta Boo had a different style. DJ Paul, a different style. Juicy J, a different style. Lord Infamous, Kusa Nigga, uh, Crunchy Black. We put those styles together, you know. Named it Mystic Style. Mystic Styles. Yeah, that was our first uh, major independent project. I remember seeing you guys coming up or 
an ad or something like that, and it just stuck out to me, like the name of the group, how y'all looked, what y'all was doing was something that wasn't happening. Who was doing the production? Was it always you and uh, and Paul? Yeah. Just y'all on all the stuff? All the stuff. Dynamic duo, man. We was killing it. Project Pat's your brother. Yep. Is he older or younger? A year older than me. A year? Yeah. And did, so he didn't get you into the rap music more. He was y'all were listening to it at the same time. No, I, it was it was it was more me. You know, um, he I knew he was talented, but you know we had uh, we had two different views of how we wanted to do. You know how we wanted to move in life. You know what I mean? Like I was running the streets. Me first, you know, me and him was running the streets. But then I was just like, man, I need to. You know, I want to be a musician. I want to be a, a producer. So I'm gonna try to work with this music for a minute. He wanted to run the streets. You know more than me. You know. Project Pat looked like he sells keys. Holds heavy, heavy, heavy artillery. Yeah. He um, looked like he just put in work on every level. Got bodies in the backyard. Yeah. He looked like, first of all, Project Pat, you know what that means. <laughs> Yo, the That's name alone. Name. <laughs> I yeah. connected with him immediately. <laughs> I'm like, I never met him, I don't think, but I'm like, That's my guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's my guy right there. So <laughs> I mean, yeah, his records is hard, man. Yeah, his records go crazy, man. I told him, I was like, my nigga, you, you hard, man. Like, all this shit you talking about, because he was doing that shit, you know what I'm saying? He wanted to. Wow. Even when his album was, before he went to jail the second time, he had this um, the chicken head record. And I was telling him, I was like, yo, man, your record's about to be big, man. And he, and he was telling me, I heard, well, somebody had told me he was in the hood. Like, I heard you was in a, some apartment building shooting some pistols or some shit. Sheesh. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing over there? Like, I said, chicken head drop. I said, it's blowing up everywhere. What are you doing in the hood? And he was like, man, these niggas think I'm bullshit, man. Like, I'm really living this life. I really did this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't just rapping about this shit. I'm in the hood. Niggas they hear me rapping about this shit. I'm in, like, I'm just like, hey, man, calm down. You ain't got to prove yep. to these niggas. You know what I'm saying? Well, that was that's interesting because in your mind, you're like, well, that's the whole reason why we're doing this is so we don't have to prove to anybody that we actually live it. This just, is the just pathway like, out. Yeah we, yeah, we yeah, we getting out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We getting out. We don't have to be in the street no more. You know what I'm saying? But he was like, you know, like, I'm saying it on my songs, and I I did it, and I'm still out here. Mm. And I want them to know that when they see me, motherfucker, they know what it is. I mean, he was just like that. You know, I don't give a fuck. You know, fucking the... Still like that? No, he good now. Um, <laughs> but I had told him, I said, man, you know, you're going to call me from jail, man. Mm. I said, your record's blowing up. It's going to be big, and you're going to call me from jail. And when he got locked up, he called me from jail and said, you told me. And we lost... You live and learn. Millions of dollars. Interesting thing, Damn. because both of you guys have brothers. Yeah. So I know exactly what he's yeah. talking about. I know I know what that's like. And moving out of the hood again, moving out of that into a new world, it's like trying to get your people, uh, your friends, your family to see what you see. And yeah. That transition is something different. So did you have to deal with a lot of stuff in the street basically or just disgruntled ex-members or was they all love when you guys because you just took a few people from the 20 oh, to yeah. turn it to 3-6 yeah. Mafia so the rest of the guys that, that didn't make it with you musically mm-hmm. how was the relationship with them? Oh it was bad man um, I almost yeah I could have been in jail right today because uh, we, we did start breaking the group up and kind of putting people in, you know, a couple of people did get jealous. And mm-hmm. then somebody tried to set me up and, you know what I'm saying? I almost had to, yeah. We got to, yeah. That's a serious thing artists go through, coming through, you know, yeah. 
volatile neighborhoods and you know that transition is dudes need a statue a purple heart from that yeah no disrespect to the military you know but we go through our 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 version of you hear it all the time you hear it but you know what though you're right but i'm gonna tell you something though when you stand on their neck though they're back up wow and that's what we had to do you gotta do that stand on their neck you know what i'm saying like I'm, I ain't gonna say what, 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 but it's like a friend of mine try to pull some, try to pull a move on me. He stood on this nigga neck. He apologized. I'm sorry, man. I, I, yeah. This is a dude I knew. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I could have had his head cut, but you know. You don't need that. No, man. I had I had bigger plans. Bigger but, plans, man. But you like you know? But I stood I stood my ground, and uh, he was bitched out. He bitched out anyway. But be the ones closest to you. For real, man. I mean, I, I don't I don't envy having going through that. Especially the evolution. Like when you grow, not everybody grows at the same pace and not even everybody grows in the same direction. Mm-hmm. So even like with Three Six Mafia as its own entity has grown apart. Yes. That happened way after all of the fame and everything. And you lost two members. Yeah, the- rest yeah. in peace. Kusaniga, Lord Infamous, yeah. Do you feel like that was something else that led to that sort of, you know, falling apart or or moving in different directions? It wasn't it wasn't the success. You know, I would say drugs really broke Three Six Mafia up. Wow. What kind of drugs? The wildest drugs, from heroin to meth to cocaine, all kinds of pills. Wow. A lot of drugs were uh, consumed during uh, the times we was together. Just. When everybody's sober and chill, it's, everybody's on the same page. But when, you know, when cocaine's involved and, you know, things change, you know what I'm saying? But I, I'm not pointing a finger at nobody, man. Look, it happened. But that's just... Looking back, you yeah, see that yeah, that's what it was. It was the drugs, you know what I'm saying? I wow. mean, like, I, I can't think of nothing else because that was the main thing that was really fucking everything up. You know, why people weren't showing up at the studio, you know what I'm saying? Like, what handling the business, the business, you know, was crazy. Everything was folding. And it's just the drugs, you know what I'm saying? And just kind of like... Hey, look, I don't care what nobody do. I never did cocaine. I've sipped some syrup. I popped some, some pills and shit, Zans, whatever. That's all I did. And then certain parts of my life, I didn't do it like when everybody was sipping on I wasn't sipping syrup like them mm. niggas are sipping more syrup than me. You know, I might sip here and sip here and there. They were sipping where like. All day. They couldn't wake up. You know mm. what I'm saying? And so. Um, couldn't wake up. Yeah, I had to bust up in Lord Infamous room before and um, I was kind of like almost in tears. I thought the nigga was dead at first. Wow. So I had to go get the keys because he wouldn't answer the phone. I was banging on his door. So I had to bust up in his room and I had to pretty much like beat him to wake him up. Like took a pillow and just hit him and hit him. I'm like, hit him. I'm like, wake up, wake up, wake up. Hit him, yeah. hit him, hit him. And all of a sudden, it's like, you know, like they take, put a thing on your your, your chest. and Defibrillator, he and I, yeah. Yeah, like he just got a charge out of nowhere. Hey, oh, what's up? Juicy, what's up? You know what I'm saying? So I've seen a lot of crazy things and, uh, you know, rest in peace to him. He was a great person, man. And uh, but you know, just like a lot of things, just a lot of drugs, man. Just took down it, took down the group, man. You know. There was something very dark and kind of sinister about the branding and the whole look and everything. Like it almost seemed kind of similar to Nas. You remember back in the day, there was horrorcore. Yeah. Grave yeah. diggers. So, yeah. you know, there was Wu-Tang, but then suddenly there was like this offshoot that was very like horror mixed with hip hop. And and then you guys kind of had that same vibe. Mm-hmm. It was like 
it was like the same way that in, in rock and roll there's been death metal and, and different parts of punk rock. Was that purely just because of the environment that you were living in and the stress that you were living under? Or was it also musical or cultural influence? I mean, growing up, man, you know, I watched a lot of scary movies and so did uh, Paul and Lord. You know, we love scary movies, you know what I'm saying? Me too. I did, yeah. yeah. So it's just like a such a dark, dark, dark city. Mm. And just with those dark movies and other things we listen to, we listen to like pimping music, but everything was dark. You know, listen, even we did we did a pimping song or something, it had a dark bass line, a dark it's just like that's just where it comes from, is that that you know, the vibe of that city. What were the other um hip hop influences that were getting through mm. to Memphis at the time too? Like what were you listening to in terms of early hip hop? Oh shit. Nas. Hey. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm uh, honored. Spanish Fly, Pretty Tony, a couple of uh, Memphis uh, artists too. Um mm. A ball MJG stuff like that. Of course, yeah. I used to all, but I vibe with I used to vibe with all, uh, which I still do. Uh, Nas albums when I wanted to get into a vibe because I stayed in such a poverty ass fucked up place. And when I used to listen to your albums, I used to hear you talking about that real shit on there. You know what I'm saying? Growing up as a kid doing this and political, you had the political vibes on there too. And I was into that shit too because my my folks, you know, what I'm saying they used to tell me about the Martin Luther King and a lot of stuff they was going through back of the bus and the segregation. Yeah. So. I grew up in that kind of household when you were speaking that on them lyrics and you was talking about, you know, what was going on in the streets so I could I could relate to that. You know, your stuff is, is different. Like, it's inspirational, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you weren't just coming out saying, I'm going to shoot him, but you say you will shoot him, blah, 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 but you'll put some other shit in there with it. You yeah. know what I mean? He always, you know, it, it make you think, you know, yeah. you know, you, you he putting other stuff with it. Mm. It wasn't just like, like, you know, 360 Mile, we'd be like, man, shoot a motherfucker, we kick it in the door with it, <laughs> like on the float. <laughs> You dead the next, you know what I'm saying? The more, but he was like, yeah, we're gonna shoot them, but this, this, and that, and they doing this to us, and blah, 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 blah. You know, he had other other things in there, you know what I'm saying? Mm. That I, you know, I, I was like, I was like, damn, that shit hard, you know, they got some bars, you know. <laughs> and I would get inspiration there. If I wanted to make a song, I would listen to his albums, you know what I'm saying? I listen wow. to their main albums and just get inspiration, and then I would go make a beat or make a song. Wow. That's so ill to think about, like, the way that music spreads and that even though you're speaking about something so specific to Queensbridge, it's it applies exactly to what he's going through in Memphis. Because Memphis is like Queensbridge, Queensbridge is like Memphis. It's like we all come from these areas that, mm -hmm. you know, we don't realize it's all it's all like a design to have us going through these things and whether it's um all the distractions from school, all of the things, the mischievous things kids get into that turn into more serious hustles, mm -hmm. that turn into things that put us in jail, get us killed. And to survive that, I'm looking at you right now, like you coming from there, you survived that. You knew yeah. you knew something. You knew it was music because a lot of dudes make music, but they don't always get out. Nope. Even if they good dudes, they don't always get out, you know, because it's like this is all we know. You don't trust the other stuff, the, the the shiny, happier, nice stuff. You don't trust. It takes a while to get comfortable when you move out the hood and, and things are different. And, every, you know, it takes a while to get comfortable in that because all we knew was this hood. So I think, you know, even I was coming up listening to Ice Cube and all these guys talk about a place, Compton. And I never even, and I was relating to everything they were saying, man. So, so any of these artists out there... What she say, Spanish Fly, heard of Spanish Fly. Yeah. These guys were inspiring. They was putting out stuff, and you was like, okay, is Spanish Fly from Memphis? Yeah, he was um, the hottest DJ in Memphis. Him and his uh, guy, rest in peace, Sonny D. 
And them the first people that really attracted my attention as far as like up and coming Memphis rap. And he had this song called Smoking Onions. I used to ride around in stolen cars, me and my homie, and play this record all the time. Smoking onions. Smoke, smoking onions. What you know is what smoking onions? What smoking is weed. Okay. Yeah. They called it on- onion back then. Like some onion. So I remember like, you know, just riding around in stolen cars, me and my me and my homie. It's like every other week or every other day is a different car, you know? You wow. Know what I'm saying? Stolen cars. I've been in a stolen car. It was a junior high school. Somebody stole a car. Then nah, it was another time too. I was in a stolen car, but they hotwired like, it. They did something. Okay, but that's probably like two to three times. You said every day. You buy every other day. It's a different car, but that's the, that's like the young nigga. That's like the thing, you know. This person pull up with a stolen car. Y'all seen you seen New Jersey Drive? You know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> that's, that's that's how the vibe was in Memphis. All right, man, look at your car. Well, let me trade. You know, they'll jump in each other's cars and drive off. That's just like the thing. Everybody was riding around in stolen cars. That was before they can track them. <laughs> yeah. Before LoJack? <laughs> yeah. When is the perfect time to abandon the stolen car? How do you know when is it time for everybody to jump out and leave that on the side of the road? It's a decision you make. I used to just be like, just let me out. I get a feeling. Oh. You know what I'm saying? I'll be riding around. I'll be like, man, you know what? Let me get the fuck out of here. <laughs> police <laughs> pull us over. I'm fucked. And I jump out. And then soon I jump out. Because they, you know, police riding around all the time. They yeah. pulling niggas over. They like, you You can't afford that car. Like, let me see. I, you know what I'm saying? You know, you see a kid riding around in a Cadillac, you know, be like, come on. I mean, it's, it's, it happens now, but back then. Now these young kids, they got all kind of money. So they it, nine times out of ten, it might be their car. But back then, you yeah. know, it yeah. was, it was you know, we wasn't, we didn't have that kind of, you know, internet access. And, <laughs> you know, we had to pass out our CDs and tapes and rap in front of people to get our name out. So You were rapping at that time? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rapping, DJing, doing, doing whatever I could. And you and uh, DJ Paul, y'all knew each other at that time? No, that was early in my life. Where'd know? y'all meet? I, I met uh, DJ Paul through a friend of mine. So I used to I used to be the uh, backup DJ for A-Ball and MJG. Whoa, oh, I didn't, I didn't know, know that. that. Yeah, and so I was at the studio, and one of my homies, um, he said he knew Paul. He's like, yo, man, I know this dude named DJ Paul. And I heard of Paul. I was like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I heard some of his, his mixtapes, and um, he was hot. Like, I was hot on the north side, Paul was hot on the south side. And then dude was like, man, I think y'all should hook up. I think y'all, if y'all connect, man, I know y'all can make some dope-ass music together, you know what I'm saying? So he connected us, and then, shit, that was it. Wow. Yeah. And you started Hypnotized Minds at the time, the label. Yeah, we, it's it's a lot. We started Backyard Posse. It was, Three Six Mafia was really like 100, almost like, I mean, I would say 100, but like at least about 20-some people. Through the days, like yeah, a different artist moving in and out. It was really a posse. It started like a, start off as backyard posse, mm-hmm. then we changed it to Triple uh, Six Mafia, you know, and then it was considered like a twenty some niggas, and then uh, we just picked out the best ones we felt was good enough for the group Three Six Mafia or Triple Six Mafia at the time, and then we was gonna make everybody else solo. Like we was like, okay, this this person could be in our group, this person could be in our group, this person could be in our group, and um. We'll let these people be solo. Because at, at first, Triple Six Mob was like created by me, Paul, and Lord Infamous. But then we considered it as a, a posse thing. Mm-hmm. But we was kind of like the main, the main, the main guys. And then we had the posse and we picked out different people in the posse that we wanted to, to form Triple Six Mafia with. And the rest was solo acts like Project Pat, Frasier Boy, Gangsta Boo was going to be a solo act, even though she was in, in the group. She didn't come in the group at first. She was going more like a solo act, but she was just so good. We... We had to put her because she was, you know. I she, mean, she's dope. She's super a dope. Monster. I got a crazy question. Do the promoters 
Are they scared to tear the club up when they, you say you guys doing shows? Are they do they put that in the contract? Yeah. yeah no, they, no, for they real. They were banned. I think the song was banned. The song was banned, like everywhere, man. Like we every time we do a, a show, we had to put in the contract we weren't gonna perform tear the club up. <laughs> but that's what people want to hear. So would they? Would the crowd get even more angry because you didn't do the song? We would do it anyway. Okay. We would do it anyway. What was the? What's I the penalty that. for? It's, it's cr- I mean, you just uh, have to pay. Just hope nobody <laughs> dies. I just. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. I'm because you know. I'm just. I'm, I'm still. On, I'm still on some good weed. So I'm just trying. <laughs> trying to float and think. And go back into that. Into that time. That machine. era. I remember signing the contract a lot, but I remember doing it. I remember one day we was man. It was so crazy. Man, I mean, like, I ain't gonna lie, they was throwing bottles and everything. I had to, we had to, man, like, I had to get out almost, it was just bottles and shit flying everywhere. I'm like, I could have been one of the ones throwing a bottle too, but I mean, still, I'm still, <laughs> they flying everywhere, so I'm like jumping on around and yeah. ducking I mean, too. What's crazy to think is that you weren't there, but that was happening everywhere. Anytime a DJ was even playing the song, it's not like 3 Six Mafia had to be in the club for that to be you know, for that song to pop off and for it to get crazy. Like, in the tunnel, anywhere, they, wherever they play that song, and if you really think about it, it might blow your mind that everywhere in the in the world that they were playing that song... It's crazy. It was going off. They still tell the clue to that song. The song gets, gets so many samples. People are sampling the shit out of it. Your life's a movie, man. Like, I, like when you're talking, I hear it like... I see it like a movie. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Slop on my knob, like corn on the cob. Check in with me, and do your job. Lay on the bed, and give me head. Don't have to ask, don't have to beg. Juicy is my name, sex is my game. Let's cover boys, let's run a train. Squeeze when did you guys get the Oscar? What year was that? 2006, yeah. Okay. So it went from Oscar, the world knows you guys. You guys are performing on the Oscars. Yeah. We loved that. It was like, wow. Yeah, crazy. So it went there, and it went so big, you guys kind of needed to break, like, like chill for a while by 2008? Man, we moved out to Hollywood, man. That was um, that was a gift and a curse, you know what I'm saying? And I, the gift part, I would say, I met a lot of people, a lot of people. Like, I ran to a lot of great producers and uh, just a lot of great musicians. And um, Ones you know, that you still are, are tight with? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. is that when you and Wiz kind of, like, Linked up or what? No, no, no. That no, was way before. Way, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's the downfalls. We just party. And I, I don't really look at it so much as a downfall. I look at it more like we needed that. You know what I'm saying? We had been fighting our way all through Memphis and fighting our way to get up out of there. 
you know, not like to get up out of like to leave, but like, cause we still had our cribs in Memphis, but like, you know, just to get to another level. It was just so, so stressful. It wasn't just, the, it wasn't the stuff we had going on in the city. It was other stuff like just the record business, the, the labels, the people. We just needed a break, you know what I'm saying? And we had the longest Oscar party of all times and at the Playboy Mansion every day, at the restaurants every day. What was that like, the Playboy Mansion? <sighs> Man. Was Hef there? You ever met Hef, Yeah, yeah. We was the first rap group to perform there. Yeah. he They requested us to come. <laughs> and, they, and they was like, we want to hear, make sure you do slob on my knob. They wanted to hear slob on my oh knob. Oh, my God. It's amazing. Man, the first time I met Donald Trump was in there, man. Oh, wow. Facts. <laughs> he was in that Playboy Mansion. <laughs> Just diving right in, yeah. I'm sure. I, I, no, I, I didn't see all that, but I mean, I seen him in there. It was a bunch of people in there, you know what I'm saying? I had a membership to it. I don't know how I can't remember how I got a membership. Had this whole box that came to me, and it was a lifetime membership card. Okay. It, it, and I never went. Sat in PJs probably in like a... I didn't get PJs. <laughs> Like but I got road. a lot of cool stuff. I never went, man. Why? Why why were you I was planning on it. Okay. It just never happened, man. Damn. You never went. I never went. Wow. What was the craziest thing that you ever saw at the Playboy Mansion? <sighs> the craziest thing? <laughs> saw or, or the craziest thing I ever did. Okay. Oh, both. I probably can't even say the stuff <laughs> I did. Man. You can say it. this is Man, I just yeah, the circle crazy. of trust. I just remember being in the, in the grotto. Like the grotto was like the most freakish part of the house. Like you walking and everybody just in there, just doing this and doing that, and mm. naked people over there, and naked people over there, and naked. This was crazy. So I walked in. I was like, you know, I was like, damn, I saw these girls. You know, it's big grotto. Everybody was naked. I was like, well, all right, cool. I just took off all my shit, just jumped in there. <laughs> wow. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you know, we'll talk about the rest off. off. <laughs> But it was, it was turned up, you know what I'm saying? Yo, did you would you even be ready for that? Nah, it's like you you didn't go. Maybe it was for a reason. Like you were just like, Yo, I can't. I'm not. I, I wanted to meet Hefner. I wanted to oh. see it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then 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 let it go from there. I just wanted to see it. I, I'm I'm shocked you didn't go. But like, what I was, planned on it. It just didn't work out. Man, you should have went. Man, what was the diversity like there? All like, play white, white playboy, like black. blonde, or yeah, they yeah, were yeah. it was Mostly diverse. White. Yeah, yeah, it was like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was like mostly that. white. It was, it was white and black. I mean, it was just, and it was a lot of celebrities in there. It was like a celebrity. Yeah. It was like maybe like a hundred women and rest celebrities. You know what I'm saying? You wow. know. Yeah, Hef was a real one, man. He, he used to rock with brothers back then. Oh back, yeah. I saw old footage. He had a TV show, uh-huh. yeah. black and white. He had like real ones come on his show, like Sammy, okay. Sammy Davis. So yeah, man, I would have loved to mm. to see that. Man, legendary dog. Legendary, man. Those are the kinds of things that you just have to look back and be so thankful that you were around for because they could never exist. Never. No. In, in this day and age. Yeah, never. Yeah. No. What was some of the curse of living in L.A. or moving to L.A.? Uh, just too, many, too much partying. You know what I'm saying? It was just too much waking up, different women. Just, I just got to the point, man, like I just felt like my brother was call, always come out to L.A. Project Petty would come to L.A. and be like, man, what y'all doing, man? What y'all doing? Y'all ain't hot no more like y'all used to be. <laughs> I'm like, what, nigga? What the fuck? What the fuck are you talking about, man? Y'all don't do no mixtapes, man. Man, y'all sound ain't hot, man. I'm just telling you the truth, Jay, man. Like, you know, you go to the clubs in the South, man. They ain't playing no three six. Like they mm. used to play y'all. I said, man, what y'all doing, man? But I was so smoking out, taking Zan, so I just be like, man, fuck that shit, man. What you need to do is get on the internet. I said, the internet, nigga, get on YouTube, nigga, get on YouTube, just see what's going on, man. 
Like, this ain't even like you, man. What you doing, man? All this getting high shit, man. Y'all better get y'all act together, man. Y'all niggas ain't hot. Wow. wow. Reality check. Man, I love him for that. You know what I'm saying? Because he would always tell me real shit. My brother don't, he don't sugarcoat shit. He'd say it how it is. You know, he'd tell you the truth. And uh, I needed that. You know what I'm saying? So I started looking on the internet. I started, you know, seeing a lot of different things. And I kind of got my motivation back a little bit. But still, I was making music, partying, making music, partying. And then one day, i never forget, I was at this party, man. It was right across the street from uh, Michael Jackson's house before he even passed away. It's just one, of, one of my homies at this party right across the street. So I walked into this house. And, like, it was nice. Girls everywhere. And I went in this bedroom, and it's just like, it was crazy, man. You know, like, they had a bar inside the closet. You know what I'm saying? Nigga, a bartender inside the closet making, what do you want? What do you want? Making drinks. I'm like, this shit. But as he was making drinks, it was cocaine right there. It was this. It was that. It was pill. Like, it was just so much. It was just like a lot going on. And I'm drinking. And I was just like, man, you know what? I'm tired of this shit. I was standing on the balcony, and I was just like, I'm, I'm getting tired of just, I felt like I was wasting my time. Like, I need to get back in the studio. I still love music. I still got the vibes. I said, but first thing I need to do is get the fuck out of L.A. I had a big-ass house in Memphis sitting on four beautiful acres of fucking forest in the backyard. I went back to Memphis. I grabbed all my shit and said, man, I'm out of this motherfucker. I'm gone. Wow. You know, and I went back to Memphis, and I started doing my same old shit. Every time I used to buy a new car, I used to ride through the hood. I rolled my Rolls Royce through the hood. I went to a club. I hung out, you know, a lot of my friends, you know, I hadn't been around in a while. Went to my same hoods, kicked it, shot some videos, and just soaked back in, you know, just what I felt like I lost. I felt like I had lost it. Mm-hmm. I ain't gonna lie. I heard in L.A., man, I, I was gone, man. You were like, in a bubble. Yeah, you were yeah. in a bubble. I was in that bubble, and I was I was gone. You know, I, I, I had bread, but, you know, I wanted to do music, but I feel like the stuff I was putting together, it wasn't really what I needed. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't popping. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm talking about shit that probably motherfuckers don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about. You know, because I was living in L.A. I, didn't, I was, like, kind of, like, lost. I didn't even know what to talk about in songs a lot of times. So I was just trying to talk about the partying a little bit. And then I tried to do some other shit. I was just having a hard time. Writer's block, beat block, I couldn't make, you know, I was making some beats, but I just wasn't, it was a crash. Make a long story short. But Memphis gave me what I, what I felt like I lost when I went to and Memphis. And then what was the result of that, you kind of getting back in the mix? I was cold in. I was unstoppable. I said, if I get it with like a little bit of a door, it's a wrap. What was like the next song or project that you worked on that really like kind of? Uh, me and Lex Luger, this producer named Lex Luger, we linked up and we started making rubber band business mixtapes. And I told my brother, I said, look, thank I'm you back. for giving me that. I said, I'm back. I said, I'm back stronger than ever now. I, like, I'm a beast. I said, Man, I would never lose my vibe of music or creativity of music again. I don't care where I go. I, I don't have to be in Memphis for like a, two years. I'll never lose it. Because when I went down there, I understood what was really going on and where my mind was at. And what did I need to do to get back right on track? You know what I'm saying? First, I need to, you know, stop sipping a lot of that lean and stop sipping all that syrup. I was sipping so much syrup and pills. I had to take that down just a little bit and just get focused. I got back focused. And once I got back focused, I was easy. It was easy. I came back there. I was like, cool, I'm trippy. That's yeah, you I can take it now. You can take it anywhere with you. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you, you connected with what it was. Yeah, I, I I had to find myself. I felt like I lost my mind. I felt like I lost my whole identity, everything. I was, it was just too much, too much Hollywood. Now you could be away from Memphis. It has nothing to do with Memphis. I like it's that, man. House you. in Memphis on acres, a forest <laughs> in the back, man. I mean, that's, I don't know in New York where we could do something like that in the city. Maybe in Nyack somewhere. Maybe in <laughs> upstate. Upstate, yeah. but that ain't the hood. That ain't the hood I'm from. Right, you right. Know? Shout out to upstate New York. 
Well, we've been doing shows. Okay. We've been doing shows. We don't talk much on the phone. I may talk to Paul on the email because the catalog is going crazy. So um clearing like three, four samples a day. So we have to talk on email. And it's it's the man's look. At the end of the day, we did something great. We doing shows again. Um, you know, we still here, man. Like rest in peace to the other other members, you know. But we still here. We did something great and and, and people are like noticing it now. It's just not really just out of nowhere, just oh shit, y'all got right. this going on, y'all did this, y'all made this song, you know. I did my little solo thing and like half the people didn't even know what I have done with Three Six Mafia. They just yeah. not finding out. Slob or not, it was like niggas don't even know that that was my song, you know. I wrote that when I was like 11th grade. But they sampling the shit out of it, you know what I'm saying? And they, they sampling everything we've done. They sampling Project Pat stuff. They sampling everything, you know. And it's great. To, and it's good we didn't sell it. You know, we owned it. You know what I'm saying? We kept it. We owned like 85% of the masters and stuff like that. Like we were smart, you know. Smart. You know, we was drugged up, don't get me wrong, um, but we were smart. You know, like, we did our taxes and we made sure our shit was straight. You know, we weren't just no stupid niggas, you know what I'm saying? We had our own studio, we uh, we had our own office, we had our own vans, our own transportation, our own drivers, our own security companies and shit, you know what I'm saying? We ran all our own businesses. We was coming up in Memphis, they would have our phones tapped and wired. They didn't even understand it, you know, we driving around these Rolls Royces and these expensive cars and this jewelry and they seeing us, I'm... In Memphis now, small-ass city like Memphis, I'm riding around in the backseat of a Rolls-Royce, riding right. in the backseat of a Maybach, you know what I'm saying? I'm the first person in my city with a, with a Bentley, first mm. person in my city, because it's such a small city. With a, so they didn't understand it, like, who are these niggas? You know what I'm saying? they like, there's got to be drug dealers. You know right. what I'm saying? they got to be killers. I mean, we hung around a lot of crazy people, you know what I'm saying? Like, I had to try to, it's a lot of hot niggas around us, man, like a lot of hot people, you know, hot people... They can draw hot attention. Yeah. <laughs> Facts. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, bank robbers and shit like that. <laughs> a lot but of shit going on. This up. is our community. Yeah. yeah. And it's the people we grew up and known since kids. So yeah. it's like you don't turn your back on no. them. You don't stop speaking to them. You don't you can have a drink with them, you know? And yeah. you get a bad name, I guess, but it shouldn't be like that. We love our people. That's yeah. it. It's been a it's been a crazy grind, you know. I'm still going. I'm I just and like doing music. Going. Yeah, I just like doing music. Now I'm just having fun with it, you know what I'm saying? I'm really just, I just, like, I got songs I, sitting in the, on the hard drive. I like, I might release this shit. You know, like, why not, you know? And you're working on, you got something with Wiz Khalifa coming out, I understand? Oh, yeah, yeah. We got a project I produced. Uh, I, I got other producers on there, too, but, like, I, I, I'm, i like, the main producer on there. And um, it's crazy. Juicy J, it's called um, Stoner's Night. Stoner's Night. Wiz Khalifa and Juicy J, Stoner's Night. That's an album for me. <laughs> telling you right now got oh, a weird yeah. story with him too man he lit up in the Grammy party it was Clive Davis Grammy party inside inside yes yes man did everybody look over and was like oh, the whole and they saw it was Wiz and they said okay oh really <laughs> I don't think anybody else could have lit up but him they're probably trying to inhale it yeah yeah he passed it to me we had a, we had a moment things done shout changed. out to Wiz it's been so good to catch up with you and to yeah. Really get deep in, into your story. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This um, is great. This is amazing. We should do this again. You know. Yeah. I, I have some more that. stories. I got a. Oh, I know. I got a second, third, a decade of stories. We need more time. The uncut. Yeah. The we uncut. We need more version. time, y'all. Thanks, boss. Yeah. On the next episode of The Bridge, 50 Years of Hip Hop, we talk to DJ Jazzy Jeff. I remember 
doing live at Union Square and someone from New York calling me and they said, Mr. Magic is playing it on the radio. Mr. Magic was the host and, and he recorded, recorded it. Oh, wow. And he started playing it on the radio and people started calling and requesting it on the radio and we actually called him and he gave us a copy of the cassette and we put it on the album. Copy of the cassette is yes. on the album from the live show at Union Square. It doesn't get any more hip-hop. From Spotify, the executive producers are Gina Delvac and Jason Rodriguez with additional production support from Leslie Guam and Andrea Salenzi. And special thanks to Courtney Holt, Jessica Dow, and everyone at Spotify who helped the bridge come to life. From Mass Appeal, the executive producers are myself, Nas, Peter Bittenbender, Jenya Meggs. Lead producer is Medina Parwana. And associate producer is Serge Jabrija. Our writer is Gabe Alvarez. Samara Langer and Cliff Cristofaro are our editors. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.